the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He is still alive. For God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would repent and return to the Lord. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we will be in John 15 and 16 in a message titled, Who's Navigating? Part 1. Have you ever gone on a trip and you made a wrong turn? Maybe you missed a turn. And of course, you know, you have, because we all have done things like that. I remember the first time I went to Glamis, it's the Imperial Sand Dunes. It's the last stop that you have before you get to Mexicali, Mexico. But there are sand dunes out there that is unbelievable. It's an awesome place to go ride motorcycles, ATVs, sand rails, and what have you. And it's huge, hundreds of acres, probably thousands of acres of land, and just giant. Well, I remember the very first time I was there... Me and my friend were coming back, and it had got dark, and we missed a turn to get back to camp, and we really didn't know where we were. Then, as we're trying to figure out where we were, my motorcycle runs out of gas, okay? So it's like when it rains, it pours. So then the guy that I'm riding with, he says, well, I'll go back and find camp and bring gas back to you. And I'm thinking, you can't find your way out of a wet paper bag. (laughs) It's like, how are you going to find camp, number one? And number two, we don't even know where we are right now. How are you going to get back to me? I'm thinking, no, that's not going to work. He goes, well, then you come with me. We'll find camp. Then we'll bring gas back for you. I'm thinking, this is a brand new motorcycle. I just bought it a week ago. I'm not leaving it out here in the middle of no man's land. So then I'm thinking like, what do I do? So I did this. And I did this. And you know on the Levi's tag on the old five of ones, they have the two horses pulling on the Levi's. I'm thinking, it'll work. So I take my jeans off. I tie one leg around my bike, one leg around his motorcycle, and he towed me back to camp with the Levi's, okay? And then, of course, it was at night. It was a campfire. We had all these people out there with us, like 30 people, and he pulls me right up to the campfire. And there I am in my undies. Hi, how's it going, everybody? And I'm thinking, hey, what are friends for, you know? But, uh, of course, you know, it's like... It's improvising at the most, but but it's a good thing that I have a GPS on my phone now, or I'd still be getting lost. Yet even with phones, some still get lost. Now, why is that? Maybe it's because we don't like following directions. We also see this when it comes to navigating our own lives. As you know, there are certain people that are given very specific directions in life. For example, Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz, along with their traveling companions, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion. All they had to do was what? Follow the yellow brick road. But even following the directions that were given doesn't mean that we won't run into some trouble like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! Why is it though that when a woman is lost, they'll pull over and get directions? 
But for us men, never. Okay? That is a sign of weakness, okay? And, you know, but get this. It's not all bad, ladies. Sometimes it works out for the best when we get lost. I mean, think about this. Christopher Columbus, he was lost and he discovered America. I'm just saying, it doesn't always work out bad, okay? But anyway, but what about navigating the bigger issues of life? Like, what is our purpose? You know, why do we really exist? Is there something more to this life than what I'm living? Shouldn't we seek after something and a desire to find and secure what God's eternal plan is for us over our own? As we continue in this study through the book of John, if you remember from our last study in John chapter 15, we looked at the depth of God's love. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. God has called us, those who have asked Jesus Christ into their hearts as their savior. He has called us friends. We are the friends of God. Consider the promise that he made to us in Romans chapter eight. We are now, he says, adopted by God. We are his children. The Bible says that we can call God now our father. This is revolutionary at the time. What? We can call God the creator, our father? He says we can call him Abba Father. That's being translated really into English like we can call him Papa or Daddy, Daddy. Know this, being the friend of Jesus doesn't sit well with many today. It can be a source of ridicule for some. Others will dismiss us as, well, uninformed, clueless, or even better translated, you know, people can say that we're just being way too religious. Religious fanatics sometimes Christians are called. But why is that? Why would the world look at us differently? Why, when we became a Christian, does the world turn on us? Speaking for myself, myself only here. When I came to know Jesus over four decades ago, I became a better person than what I was before I became a Christian. I used to lie. I used to cheat. I used to drink. I stole from my employer. I couldn't be trusted. But when I came to know Christ as my savior, I came to him with a closet full of baggage. Yet by God's grace and mercy, almost immediately, I started to radically change my life. I stopped cussing. I stopped drinking. I stopped bonging. I stopped doing everything. I stopped taking speed, which was a good thing, as you can tell. But anyway, but he started first with forgiving me of all of my past sins and failures. He washed them away as if I had never done them. Then he changed my whole outlook on life as I've allowed him to navigate my life. Now I've become, well, more like him. I'm trying to be more like him. Yes, it's true. God's plan for me as well as for you is better than our plan for ourselves. His plan is better. It's not like I've arrived yet, but as we're told in Philippians 1, 6, that we can be confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in us 
Well, he's going to complete that work in us. So even though we're still a work in progress, he's going to complete the work that he started in us. Yes, I'm confident of that. I know that I know that God will continue what he started in me. Now I want more than ever for people to know this gracious and merciful God that I've come to know. I want the world to know that there is a God in heaven that loves him. I want to see every person from every ethnic background from every place of society, rich or poor, come into a relationship with the living God. So they too can have their sin forgiven like mine's been forgiven. So they too can have the promise of heaven one day. Well, again, as we study here in the Gospel of John, we'll finish chapter 15 before we pick up in chapter 16. Jesus tells us straight up, while people hate us Christians. He just, he lays it on a line. I'm going to tell you why they hate Christians today. Even though there's been radical change for the good in our lives, they still hate us. So today we're going to consider three points in light of our title, who's navigating. Number one, not of this world. Jesus says we are no longer of this world, that we have a citizenship in another place. Number two, the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, but yet he's living inside of us, so he wants us to shine as lights in this world. And number three, navigating in the world. How are we going to navigate in this life when there's so many ups and downs and potholes? God has given us a way to navigate in this life. So let's look at our first point, not of this world. As we read together, starting in chapter 15, we'll pick up from where we left off last week. We'll pick up in verse 18. It says, if the world hates you, You know, Jesus said, that it hated me first, before it hated you. If you were of the world, well, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you, Jesus said, out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you now. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Wow, there's a lot there. So let's just stop there for a moment. Now, notice how Jesus just lays it on the line here. He says, look, know this. Understand, the world hated me. Jesus said, the world hated me. Therefore, they're going to hate you also. How much did the world hate Jesus 2,000 years ago? Well, They beat him mercifully. They bludgeoned him to death. They ripped the beard out of his face. The Bible records that you could no longer recognize him as a man. They had bludgeoned him so bad. Then to make things even worse, they nailed him to a cross naked to humiliate him. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us or he bought us back from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. Yes, Jesus became a curse for you and for me as he was nailed to a cross as a sacrifice for your sin and my sin. That's why he came, to die for our sins so that we wouldn't have to die for our own sin. Yes, just as the world hated Jesus, he said, they're gonna hate you too. And isn't that true? 
Don't we see it today? Boy, you can be a Muslim. Oh, we got to be, be careful, uh, politically correct. Don't say anything against being a Muslim or being a Buddhist or any other religion out there. We got to be politically correct. But Christians, oh, huh, huh, let's just run them over with a train. Who cares? Nobody cares. See, understand, the world doesn't just hate you and me. It hates the fact that we've embraced Jesus. When I used to lie and I stole and I cheated and I parted with all my friends, guess what? All my friends liked me. As soon as I gave my life to Jesus, I no longer fit in with my friends. Let me give you the tale of two different drive-ins, okay? So here's two different drive-in stories. One BC, that's before Christ, and one is after Christ, okay? So this is the drive-in, of course, that you used to go to back in the old days where you pull your car in, you have the little speaker, and you put it in your window, and you watch the movie. So BC, before Christ, I was out at Havasu in, uh, you know, the Colorado River in Havasu, and we went to the movie theater after me and my friends, we were partying, we were drinking, we were getting wasted, we were bonging, we were doing everything. So we got arrested that night for streaking. It just got out of control. That's all I'm saying, okay? But actually, we weren't actually streaking. We were attempting to get there, but we were still in our underwear, but they called us that we were streaking. But anyway, we're running around being madmen. Now, see, when I was that guy, all my friends loved me. Woohoo! Okay, it's like, let's party, okay? All my friends loved me. Let me give you the second drive-in story. That's after I got married to my wife. I came to Christ and I went out with the same guy, the same guy that I was in Havasu that we got arrested together that his parents had to come and bail us out. Okay, so it's like I'm with the same guy and we go to the drive-in and what did he do? It's like he pulls out the bong, he gets the beers going. I'm like, no, 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 I don't do that anymore. Never seen him since that day. I was no longer accepted. See, it's like the world didn't want me anymore, didn't have time for me because I wasn't doing what they did. That word in our text today that's translated hate that Jesus used, it came from the Greek language that means to detest someone. It's to hate someone to the point of persecution. So it's not just enough I don't like you, I actually want to hurt you. That means that people are going to hate us to the point of wanting is gone with pain. And again, do we not see that today? It's like, you know, it's like how many times do you see on social media? It's like these radical Christians, get them out of here. Get, out, get rid of them. We don't want them here anymore. It's like, see, it doesn't make any sense. But yet Jesus cuts to the core of the matter as he gives us the inside scoop of exactly why the world hates us. Listen to what he said in John chapter 3, verse 19. He says, and this is the judgment, that light has come into the world. And men, they love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. See, that's the whole issue. Now you're living for the Lord. Now you're not just doing what everything that everyone else is doing. So now you bring conviction in their life because you bring light into their dark world. And they're like, whoa, get that light out of here. They don't like it. Yes, Jesus stands against the popular opinion. Jesus goes against the flow. Jesus never succumbs to the being politically correct. And Jesus will never bow under the pressure of special interest groups. Jesus was God 
in the flesh. He created the heavens and the earth. He created man from the dust of the earth and he breathed life into each and every one of us. And these completely outrageous bodies that we live in here that all function like walking miracles. I mean, we don't think about it because we just get up and go. But I mean, we have eyes that can see. We have ears that can hear. We have minds that can think and comprehend things. We have mouths that can speak. We are all part of God's creative magnificence. Even our hearts beating in our chest with no batteries. That's why God, the master creator, has every single right in the world to establish his moral code for his creation to live by. And who are we to look at God and say, I don't want to live by your law. I want to do my own thing. But God says, all right, I'll let you do whatever you do. But just know this, you'll see me in the end. You will see me in the end. Yes, that's what many in the world have done. Saying, God, forget it. We're not going to live by what you did. We don't care because we're going to say that you didn't create us. We're going to say that we created ourselves. Yes, we are a species that has evolved on our own through nature. Yes, if man can embrace that we came from monkeys, that we came from animals, then we can just live and act like animals, leaving us with no moral code that we must live by. Only one problem with that. It's not true and it doesn't work. Why? We can't escape God's moral code. Why can't we escape it? Because he's written it upon every one of our hearts. He gave us all a conscience. That's why we feel guilt when we break one of God's commandments. Now, obviously, if you break them long enough, you callous over that and you won't feel bad anymore, but you'll always feel bad at the beginning of breaking God's moral law. Now, some will disagree and say, no, you're wrong, pastor. We created ourselves through millions of years of evolution. I believe that, like NASA said, there was a big bang explosion. It was huge. Cosmic, in fact, 13.7 billion years ago and over billions of years going into millions of years. It's like we evolved. We evolved into a monkey and it came in a Cro-Magnon man and Neanderthal man. And and here we are, bing, walla, bang today. We created ourselves. That is so ridiculous. It flies in the face of everything that God said as the designer of humanity. Don't you know that everything we have today, the chair, The microphone stand, the guitar pick, all has a designer behind it. How can you say that we designed ourselves and we all evolved? It's like if I took a bunch of plastic pellets and I took those plastic pellets into an open field here in Los Angeles and I laid them all on the ground. How long for those plastic pellets to turn into a guitar pick? You say, that's ridiculous. That's stupidity. Absolutely. That's my point. If it takes a designer to take plastic pellets and melt them down to build a mold so they can stamp out these little guitar picks and sell them for 12 cents a piece, it takes a designer to make a guitar pick. How much do you think we're a little bit more complex than wall? How much? It's like it's ridiculous. It's like God has created us. That's why God says to man, you embrace your evolution. You embrace whatever you want to embrace. But this is what God says in Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. 
You will die in the end. You will stand before me. I don't believe that. You don't have to believe it. But guess what? You will die and you will stand before God. Yes, everything that we have ever done, every sin that we have ever committed has all been seen by God himself. It's all recorded in heaven. Jeremiah 16, 7, God says, I, my eyes have seen all of your ways. Nothing is hidden from my face. Yes, the world hated Jesus first. Because why? He testified that the world's deeds were evil. And here we are 2,000 years later and Jesus has called us to proclaim to the world that he is still alive. For God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would repent and return to the Lord. That the people would seek after Jesus for, and be forgiven. Imagine for a moment that you're all cozy in bed. And you're just sleeping. I'm just, and I'm just, I'm out for the count. And it's 2.30 in the morning and you're just sawing logs. Little sheepies are just going over your head. Everything is good. Then kaboom, then someone blows in to your master bedroom. You're like, oh, whoa, what? And a door, bam. And there's a 10,000 million candle watt power flashlight in this hand. And the thing's just, whoa, what the heck are you doing? And it's like, you would be so mad. You would just want to just, who is this person breaking into my house? And what are you doing? You would be really mad up until the point that you realized that that was a fireman. And he was grabbing you and pulling you out of your bed in your jammies and dragging you out to the street. You'd be really mad until you realize your house was on fire and he just saved your life. See, in the same way, as we follow Jesus and the lifestyle change of a true believer now is becoming that floodlight to those people that are walking in darkness around you. And we end up convicting those that are around us. Understand, our lives should be a light that shines into every soul that's accepted darkness in this world instead of light. See, us Christians, we are to live in this world, but we are not to be part of this world. What does that mean? It means that we, once we've asked Jesus Christ into our hearts as our Savior, we are now part of his kingdom. And we have a new citizenship now. The Bible says in Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now see, that word citizenship that's used in the Bible there, it comes from this Greek word in the original language that refers to a city that keeps the names of their citizens on a register. Do you know that the city and the county of Los Angeles all have our names down. They know where we live, but it's not for good. It's just to send you a tax bill. Oh, we want to know where you live so we can tax you more money, okay? But here in the scripture, in the original here, God has promised to know us and our name. And it's not to send us a tax bill. He has promised us heaven and he has written our names in what's called the Lamb's Book of Life. It's recorded in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. It says, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So God keeps track of his that are his. And how do you get your name in the land's book of life? By asking Jesus Christ in your heart as your savior. 
See, three radical things happen instantaneously to the person who comes to know Christ. When you ask Jesus in your heart as your Savior, he literally comes and gives a piece of himself to live inside of us. Crazy, but true. You have God, a piece of him, comes and lives inside of us. The second thing that happens instantaneously, he removes all of our sin. Things you've forgotten about. Things that you don't even think about anymore. Things that you did wrong over the decades. God says, I wash you clean. If any man or woman be in Christ, they become a new creature. All things are passed away. Everything becomes new. As if you've never sinned. He makes you as if you were not tarnished and, and sinful and evil. And Even though you know you did all those things. He washes them away. And then the third thing he does. Again, this is all happening in a millisecond. He writes your name in the book of life. And when we enter heaven one day, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the books are opened. And that book of life is opened. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how many times you went to church. I don't care how many times you gave for cancer research and you rescued little dogs from the kennel. If your name is not written in that book, you're not going to heaven. It's extremely important to know if your name is in that book. It can only be written again once we repent of our sin and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior because he is the only way to heaven. And when we receive him, we become bearers now of his life. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.